When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Winning Plays podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Hey folks, welcome in to another edition of the Winning Plays podcast. My name is Brian Robb, joined by frequent contributor to the pod, Ryan Bernardoni. And we bring Ryan in here as is tradition on the heels of Rob Williams playing one of, I'd say probably one of the best games of his career, period, um, Sunday night against the Rockets. And we're going to get into that. We're going to get into some trade rumors that have popped up, uh, particularly involving the center position and how that kind of relates into the the Rob Williams conundrum, if you will, um, that Brad Stevens and the coaching staff will be having to deal with in the coming weeks as Marcus Smart gets healthy. Um, but first and foremost, please rate, review, subscribe to the Winning Plays pod um, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It is much appreciated, but... Uh, first off, we'll go to Ryan here. We'll just, we'll just scale. Like what, wh- where do you rank that performance by Rob on, um, on Sunday night in the, the, the career pie rankings? Um, uh, the, I guess the only thing that holds it back is that the level of competition was less than stellar. Um, <laughs> you know, if it had been against Christian Wood or something, Come on, Justin Patton doesn't rate it up a little bit, Justin Patton and no, no other centers really. Right. They, it was uh, a, a pretty uh, degraded team from from where they've been over recent years. Um, but I mean, what are you going to say? Like he had a double double. He didn't miss a shot. Or I guess he missed a free throw. He didn't didn't miss a field goal. Block shots. He's stealing the ball. He's turning momentum around. He's as he does every single time he plays, making some ridiculous finishes that seem you know. You see those some of those passes that are thrown to him, and we've just been conditioned by recent Celtics lob throwers of like, oh, that's a turnover somebody's going to get injured because of this terrible lob and and it just somehow it it becomes a basket when when he's on the floor and you had another one yesterday with the with smart throwing like a a rocket of of a lob it wasn't really a a lob it was like a line drive uh and somehow rob just goes up and very softly drops it through the through the hoop and you're like i don't know how that's i don't know how that didn't go justin patton seven rows deep um so it, obviously it was a very impressive performance other than the level of, of competition, but are there any unimpressive performances from, from Rob in the last month or six weeks? Like every time he's on the court, he looks great because uh, he's really talented and playing very well. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's very promising for for his career, for what the team needs out of him. Um, and you, you hope that not only does it continue, but that his role is able to expand off of some of these performances, which I know is sort of what we want to talk about here is how, how we get to there. Yeah. So that's, that's where we'll start 
from a big picture perspective, I think here, uh, Brad Stevens spilling the beans on Sunday night that yes, Marcus Smart will be going back into the starting five. Um, despite coming off the bench for the last two games as his minutes limit goes up and which seems to signal the end of the double big lineup for good. Um, rest in peace, double big lineup. Um, the defensive stoppers that really have not never came into fruition, at least for the thir- first 35 games this year. But it's clear that this is a, going to lead to a bit of a minutes crunch. We've already seen Daniel Tice uh, held to under 10 minutes in two of the last five wins for the Celtics simply because other teams are going super small and it makes no sense to, to play two bigs against them. So when we look at this right now, well, I guess first off, is there any, if you're power ranking the centers right now, it's going to depend on matchups, obviously, but is it, is Tristan Thompson the third best center on this roster against everyone at this point? Or are we, do we think that that could change based on the opponent? Uh, it's, I mean, maybe there's some specific matchups where you, where you prefer Thompson, but I think it's pretty clear. I don't think there's a huge gap between him and, and Tice, right? It's not like it's a Rob is number one and Tice is two. And then there's a, you know, you sort of are like, well, obviously, you know, is it taco? No, I mean, that's <laughs> Thompson's been playing pretty well for what you're expecting from him. It's just that for all that people look at the Celtics and say, oh, the center position is their big problem. Like Tice is good he's fine. And, and Rob is what he is. He's mercurial maybe, although he's, you know, like I said, been pretty consistent lately, but I uh, can just do things that are really special. And so Thompson, yeah, I mean, I think he's pretty clearly the, the third center and it's some of, I don't know if it's as much matchups as it is just like the flow of the game, right? Some guys, some nights guys have a good day and some, they have a bad day. Uh, you get a little banged up from an injury, you get foul trouble, whatever it might be. And it's nice having a third center who you can rely on. The problem is trying to play them all like their second centers, right? And they sort of all get backup center sort of rotations and minutes um, instead of having anybody established as a as your top guy and a second and third, who's an, ideally your third guy would be getting some DMPs and things like that. And that's just not the way that it's working um, at the moment. So yeah, I mean, to me, it's Thompson's pretty clearly there. Are there matchups that come to mind for you? Because people think of him as, I sort of think of him as the bulky one because Thompson or because uh, Robin and and Tice are not super, you know, they're not sort of thought of as like post battlers and on the defensive end, but really obviously Thompson sort of made his name as more of a, almost a switch center. So I'm not sure what the matchup would be where you would want him over the other two. Is there, is there, you know, ones that come to mind for you where you're like Thompson's the guy against somebody? I don't know. All those matchups have not, you know, fared well this year, I feel like, where you'd be like, okay, yeah, like Thompson versus Embiid, that's your best option in that matchup, like that he was roasted just as much as anyone um, in that one. And then you... Isn't that Thompson's a good matchup for that? It's that you're just worried that the other two are bad matchups. Right. right? It's like the worst of two, but then it's when his, when you look at that matchup and you're like, okay, Thompson isn't giving you much more defensively than either of those guys would. And then on top of it, your offense is so much worse than when he's on the floor based on compared to those other two guys. So that's, I think that's just the, the Tristan Thompson problem that has emerged this year is his D I don't know whether, again, it's only halfway, it's halfway through season. Now his defense has gotten, I think slightly better, but the switching, the switchability that I think a lot of us came to expect from him has kind of fallen off as he's, you know, reached his thirties here. And with that aspect of his game gone, he's not a great defensive rebounder period too. He's a great offensive rebounder, but he's, you know, his size is a, is an issue 
and down low. And so if he's not making bunnies and he's not kicking out to guys for threes, then again, unless he's becoming, you know, his energy is at a high level for a certain night, you're the, the, the cons that way, the pros compared to, I think the other two centers on the roster, a lot of nights. I guess maybe the kind of player who you would like him against and this a little bit counterintuitive, although we've seen him go against Al Horford through the years is sort of an Al Horford type where you would, you would say, well, Tice can, can do a little bit of everything. And the guy who he's faced up against can do a little bit of everything, but a little bit better than Tice can. And you might be looking at a, at something where it's like that this team struggles with, with defensive rebounding, your opponent struggles with defensive rebounding. You're like sort of specifically targeting something like that, where it's like, okay, we think we can, can make hay on, on the offensive glass against a particular team um, where, or, or like the, the Raptors have been playing very small with Ananobi and at, at center or Siakam at center, whichever one you want to think. And you would, you would think that that would be a bad matchup for Thompson. It's like, you would want to go even smaller, but if you're assuming you're going to play a center, you might look at that and said like, well, we think we can make up for what we're going to lose on, on one end by going at them on the offensive glass. Right. And so maybe you put him in, in over Tyson and matchup like that, but you're talking, even then you're talking about things where kind of speculative and you're, maybe trying some different things and you wouldn't really want to rely on that or, or believe from the start that, that would be, would be the best, the best matchup. And so that's why I get to, it's like some nights you can just see it, right. Tice is off for whatever reason, everybody has rough nights or, or Thompson has a, is looking like particularly good on a, on a given night. But if you go away from the double bigs, then you're not going to have an opportunity to see that, right. You just have to trust that the guys who are better are going to be better. And in that case, Thompson comes on, to, you know, comes into the game if it's a back-to-back and you're trying to, steal some minutes from, you know, without burning anybody out or somebody gets foul trouble or they're just really struggling that night and you go for a different route. But um, I think that's sort of why we've seen him win minutes in some games now is because they're both on the floor together. And so you do have an opportunity to evaluate. The problem is if one of them is playing poorly and you have double bigs out there, the time when you're evaluating them, you fall behind by 10 points. And then it's like, well, that wasn't worth the evaluation time because you're, you know, fell behind. So like, there's just no really no great solution for that in in the modern game where you you just kind of want to have a hierarchy of centers because you don't, it's not a position you want to have to put too much thought into in, in a certain way. Uh, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Uh, football might be over, but NBA college hoops and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, real time update odds and props and almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up, head to the website or use your mobile device to set up receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sports but spoke experts uh don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action don't forget to use that promo code clns50 to receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit once again bet online your online sports book experts so it's looking at the situation now with with 10 days till the trade deadline here and it seems to be coming more and more clear that it's unlikely something major will happen with the TPE um, in these next 10 days. But at the same time, that doesn't mean other secondary moves around the rest of the roster um, can be made. And, you know, this addressing this excess is one clear spot. Chris Haynes of Yahoo today had a report that the Celtics, and it wasn't really, a, it seemed more speculative than anything else from, you know, an agent, whoever um, is involved here, but, saying the Southerners, quote, could trade Thompson, Tristan Thompson ahead of the March 25th trade deadline. And he listed the Toronto Raptors as a potential destination, which, I mean, if you look around the league in terms of who needs a starting center more than anyone right now, that would be an obvious choice. Um, I guess from 
Well, first off, do we look at the center? One thing the Celtics could do here, and this is where I look at their decisions for this year as fascinating right now, Ryan, is like having a three-headed monster at center does make sense for the versatility standpoint. You can, you know, give Thompson and Tice nights off as the games pile up here and keep everyone kind of fresh. And the injury backup situation would obviously you'd be in a better spot if you keep all three there. But if you're going to lose one of those two guys next year anyway, and you're not making the roster better to contend in the present, does it make sense to keep all three of those guys for the rest of the season? Like knowing what's, what's probably going to come this off season. Uh, probably not. I mean, we talked in the preseason about how it didn't necessarily make sense to have all of them. And that depending on sort of how the season played out and where they needed to get help um, and what Rob showed that it may very well be that one of Thompson or Tice gets moved. And I think one thing that has happened in the last couple of weeks is that you would have to get somebody like really seriously good in order to trade Rob at this point. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, it's possible, but I don't, that doesn't seem likely. Um, so you're left with the other two. And I do agree that like having three centers is a necessity. Um, they, uh, you know, Thompson, if he's willing to be a third center is, is totally fine at that option. Like you don't want to be paying a third center nine and a half million dollars next year, but for this year, it's not, you know, it's fine if he's okay getting DMP'd sometimes and on other nights playing one or two rotations and, and all that, like, I don't have a problem with needing guys to rest and needing depth at every single position. Uh, but yeah, I think the question really is like, if you could trade him and then go and sign Norvell Pell, right? Like just somebody who's tall and is somewhat reliable and has a little bit of NBA experience and is going to understand that they're a third center, would that make your team any worse? I don't really think it would, um, particularly with, you know, getting back to health and having more options on the wing in the backcourt. So that's what I would prefer that they do. Um, but somebody has to want the player. I, I work, my concern is that what happens is they play out the season with all three of them. And then you get into the off season and they look and they make, you know, an acquisition of some amount and either they lose Tice for nothing, which is fine, right? It's not great, but it's, it, it could be what it, what it could be. Or they could say Tice played really well through the end of this year and they want him to come back and, and be sort of a normal one, two punch that we expected with, uh, with Williams. And then they have to trade more draft equity to move Tristan Thompson again, just like they did with Cantor and Baines, who weren't like bad players. They had, there were teams around the league that wanted them. Cantor's playing fine this year. Baines played well at the beginning of last year for Phoenix. But they had to give up stuff to get rid of him. And if, if Thompson is your third center, then you get to the end of the season. If you haven't traded him, you probably do have to give something up just to get rid of his nine and a half million. I don't really want to do that again. So I would rather, if you can, move him now. Like I said today, when that report came out that you just referenced, like, you could just trade him for Aaron Baines. And like, I would think that would be totally fine because Baines has a team option next year. Right. And so that you, 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 we need, you just decline the option and like done you've, you've undid, you've undid what turned out to be a mistake in signing Tristan Thompson, which isn't like a huge mistake. It wasn't, a, you know, he's playing fine. It's, I wasn't like super against it when it happened with what was left. I was like, yeah, all right, it's fine. I get it. Um, so I don't know. I mean, like that, that isn't, that isn't the kind of thing that anybody looks at and gets excited about, but like, I would completely understand it if they did that. Right. I guess I, from that standpoint, I don't necessarily think you're going to have to like, given how much free agent money is out there next year and how the lack of talent, not at center. Like I don't necessarily think dumping him for nothing next year in the off season will be a problem. I don't think you have to use draft equity to do that. 
but they've so, had to the last two years. That's the thing. Like teams wanted Baines. Uh, the Portland wanted Cantor. They didn't have to take him. Like right. he ended up there and anything for him. That's like, if everybody knows that you're trying to move a guy for whatever reason, and the reason they'll be trying to move him is because they could have a big luxury tax bill if they go out and get somebody else using the TPE, right? And everybody will look at that and say, oh, they're going to move him because he's going to cost them $25 million in terms of like actual money. Um, and so teams aren't just going to take him. They're going to demand something for him. And that might be second round pick, right? It might not. I don't think it's going to be a first round pick. And in the times they had to do it before, they sent out a first and they got back seconds. And the, the amount of like actual draft equity that moved around wasn't huge. But you just don't want to be in a situation where three straight years, you're like, yeah, we signed this center for multiple years and it turned out we didn't want him. And now we're dumping him to go sign another center to replace him. And so if you could move him now without having it be any cost, I would just be like, yeah, that's fine. And like I said, then you just go sign somebody else. You just minimum contract some guy who's like hanging out there who's fine. I'm not saying like Andre Drummond when he gets bought out. I mean, like literally somebody out of who was in like the G League bubble or something. And I don't think it would hurt you unless you run into a whole bunch of injuries. And if you do, you're probably screwed anyway. So what difference does it make? Right. That's a good point from in terms of what injuries would do to your overall chances anyway. So, all right. So you would, so I would, I wrote today that I would balk at just doing that straight up unless you're going to get like a second or, or some kind of sweetener from Toronto for Thompson. But it is, but I guess, yeah, like if, you know, the Baines, if you think Baines is going to be okay in that third man role, and obviously he's going to be better than anything you're going to get on the street. And you, I guess you do have that salary for trade purposes if you need to use it in the off season. Like if you need to pick up that option just to, make the money work on a deal, but you also have the TPE. So that shouldn't be necessary anyway. Um, yeah. I literally think of it as just like getting back out of the deal, basically saying like, if you could undo it and get Cantor back, would you? And like, I don't really want Cantor back either, but in the grand scheme of things, it's like, I just don't really want a nine and a half million dollar third center next year. Now, if you think like, if you look at the market, you say that Tice is going to make $15 million and Tristan Thompson to be my backup center next year then that's fine. You could keep him and just move forward thinking that Tice is going to be gone. All, like none of these things are like needle movers by any means, right? It's just, you can look at it and depending on what you think about Daniel Tice and what you think the market is going to play in, in the off season, it would be completely reasonable to me that they could make a move like that. That would just seem like nothing. It would just, uh, okay, why did you bother with that? And I'd be like, yeah, no, I mean, I get it. It's fine. I, whatever. I understand why they would do it. Um, and so from that, like, that's where we are with Tristan Thompson, though, right now, I think, where it's like, he's not playing poorly. He's not playing great. It's just kind of too much on the roster. You want to rebalance it. And sometimes you rebalance by making a trade that everybody sort of shrugged. We ranked every trade that Danny Ainge has made, right? Some of them you look at and you just want to shrug and you're like, yeah, I mean, I was fine. I get it. And there's not, not a whole lot more to it than that. Right. And I guess it's, it's pertinent to, for now, I think more than anything else in the standpoint of like, this is this is a one obvious area to address in the next 10 days. Like, like we said, like waiting to the off season to do this. If you have outs now, whether that's Toronto, whether that's another team where you can, you know, just do a straight salary match for Tristan Thompson or get, you know, take someone else on a, on a different part of the roster. So you can at least, yeah, you're losing Thompson, but you're getting, you know, bleats or something, something fringe that helps you somewhere else. And maybe is a better use of maximizing the current roster that you have while also freeing up minutes for Rob Williams, because that is, I think as the year goes on, as we saw what he did in the bubble last year, in terms of Rob Williams, like the, and the impact he made 
in like the the matchup against the Raptors in the second round, where I think he was probably the the best bench player period in that series and won them a a game or two with just like some pretty big scoring bursts in the first half of those games. Like you want to, the consistency is reaching a level now where I think you need to, if you're Danny engine company, just try to push that forward as much as possible, even if it does end up costing you, you know, some money down the line in terms of whatever extension you're going to try to get them to sign. Now we're talking my language. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So I don't think that, I'll push back a little bit. I don't think it's the only obvious thing to do at the trade deadline. Like I think the same problem that they've had since the beginning of the season still exists and maybe they just don't have any way to get that done, but like they do need another, they need a big wing still. They need somebody to, to fill those minutes and to take some of the pressure off Jalen and Jason and to improve the team. They, they absolutely still do. And it may be that there's just no deal to be made and that they're, that's what they've been seemingly indicating. Um, but like, to me, that's a much more important Part of the team than what they're going to do at third center to be you know to for be sure yeah um, i guess it's more like it seems more realistic based on again yeah, how they've I, talked publicly about it in yeah. terms of what and who knows it's still like a lot can change in the next seven to ten days as as teams change priorities <laughs> because if you get through the trade deadline and what they've done is that they've resolved their third center spot like that's a bad trade deadline for where the team is and and what was set up in the offseason and all that as we've talked about numerous times um I would consider that to be a failure of a, of a process from, from the offseason to the trade deadline. Uh, but yeah, I mean, on the bigger, the bigger point there, like Rob needs to play more. He's an outrageously gifted player. Um, the offense just looks different when he's out there. Um, you know, coming in, he was defensive player of the year in his conference and the shot blocks and the steals and all that are, are, are still there in really sort of incredibly high, high volume on, on both blocks and steals. Um, but I think what showed last year in, in the bubble is that he's a really gifted offensive player who just helps everybody else. There aren't enough players on the team who help everybody else on offense, which is something that's been a popular thing that's been talked about lately about how Jalen and Jason aren't sort of natural playmakers and Kemba isn't a Chris Paul style point guard. Um, you can put Robert Williams out there and he has a 15% usage and it just, everything seems easier regardless turns the ball over a little too much he you know he has he's a good passing instincts but he doesn't get a lot of assists doesn't have a lot of usage and you sort of think like well that player shouldn't make everything that much easier on everybody but he just creates space on a team that doesn't naturally create a lot of space and and i think there's like a ton of value in that and just sort of giving everybody a little bit of breathing room um and and tice creates space in his own ways and that's really i think largely what you get down to be the difference. We talked about defense and about switching and who the matchups are and all that. But a lot of it is like Tice, he's not a great three-point shooter, but he will shoot the three and he creates, and he's a good passer on the short roll. And Rob, we know what he does on offense. And Tristan just doesn't really do a whole lot on offense. And the things that he does do, even when the ball goes in, are generally negative things. You don't want to build your team around Tristan Thompson, baby hook shot, posts up all the time. And he doesn't really do anything else on that end. And with and that's why you need to create minutes for, for Rob. It's because he just, even though he doesn't touch the ball that often, his simple presence greases the wheels for everybody else. Right. And I think when you just look at the complexion of this team right now too, it's like, where, where is this version of the Celtics going like to win when it matters? How are they going to do it? It's going to be with offense first. Like this is, and there's been injuries. There's been obviously needs for upgrades in other parts of the roster. But I think even at its best, this is like a, you know, a slightly above 
mediocre defensive team, but it can be a top five offense when everything is going right based on what Brown and Tam can be. If, if you have Rob out there, if, if smart's hitting threes, if Kemba, if you're getting the good version of Kemba, which is starting to become more consistent. Um, but that's like, that's how this team is going to be the best version of itself. And so Rob Williams helps this team do that. I think more than Tristan Thompson does because that of everything you just talked about. And so like leaning into that more, I think is a way to figure out what this team is actually going to be capable of. Yeah. And the other thing that you get out of it is you get like variability, right? If you're, if you're the favorite, you want a stable series. This is something that Daryl Morey sort of built the rockets around uh, before it, they became more hardened centric, obviously. But the original idea of it was like the way that you overcome the Golden State Warriors is that you want to just inject uncertainty into the series. So we'll shoot a lot of threes because threes are uncertain and they do different things to a game. And you can win a couple of games because you have hot shooting. And if you don't, then, oh, well, you're going to lose the series anyway. You just lost by a few more points. So who really cares? And that's a little bit of what Rob brings as well. And because we haven't seen him play 28 minutes or 30 minutes, use the level of play that he does in, in 18 minutes in 30 minutes, then like that would, that's really valuable because <laughs> how well he plays in short bursts is like crazy. And if you played him sort of traditional starter minutes, then it would just be variability. And when you get to a series against, because the Celtics are not the best team in the Eastern conference are certainly not the best team in the league. And if they were the best team in the league with Tyson Thompson, then you probably wouldn't be sitting there going, we need to get Rob Williams. Even if Tyson Thompson were sort of uninspiring, that's fine. Teams can win games with an uninspiring one position as long as they're really stable and sort of give you the same thing every night but if you want to beat the nets maybe the sixers the sixers we've traditionally been a good matchup against maybe you can beat them anyway or you know the bucks are gonna if you were to somehow make it to the finals like just having a wild card out there is kind of good because if you don't and you just play it straight and you're gonna lose anyway like who cares if he has a bad series and he throws the ball away a couple times because he's you know the lights get a little too bright and he's not used to being out there so you lose by eight instead of four. And it's like, you know, what difference does that make? But if he has a good, good series, and if he just sort of breaks out and has, has these performances that we've seen from him, then maybe that wins you a game. Like you said, he, you know, maybe won a game in the Toronto series and that's a seven game series. Um, and in a, in a big series, maybe he does. Smart sort of the same way with his shooting, right? Like you want smart to shoot in games where you aren't sure if you're going to win. Like he won an Eastern conference finals game against the Cavs because he was like, well, I'm just going to shoot a whole bunch. And if we, if they don't go in, we'll get swept. And if they do go in, we'll lose in five. And so they lost, the, you know, he won <laughs> the game just by like being like, what the hell, like what, who else is going to take these shots? So I'm going to shoot from three and some of them are going to go in. Um, like, that's okay. That you, it is actually like a viable strategy if you aren't the best team. So I think he also brings that. He brings a lot. He's really good. Like, Everybody can see it. One of the, I don't know. I don't want to ramble for too long here, but one of the things that I find funny is that I think there's a little going on right now where people are watching the video and being like, look, he's setting better screens. He's making better defensive reads. You can do these little video breakdowns and say, look, he's doing this better. And the reason he's getting playing time now is because he's doing this and doing that. He's a better player now. And yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. Uh, I believe that Brad sees some of those things and that's why he's maybe giving him some more minutes. But to a certain extent, you can look at his statistical profile this year versus last year and be like, he's at the same, same. <laughs> he's at the same block rate. He's at the same steal rate. He's at the same assist rate. He's at the same turnover. Rate. Like he's getting a few more offensive rebounds and he's taking a couple more shots, like literally like one more shot a game because he has players who are slightly better at throwing the lob to him, but he was really good last year. 
And the bubble? Just, you, like, just think about the bubble. Never yeah, oh, absolutely. We were all calling for him to play more then. This isn't like some new thing that everybody's like, you got to play Rob more this season. At the end of last season, everybody was like, why is Ennis Cantor playing? Look at what Rob Williams can do. And he just wasn't trusted yet. And he seems to have you know, gained that trust. But I do think it's a little bit funny that like people are trying to come up with all these reasons that he's better this year. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, he's a little bit better, but some of it is literally like he's getting one more offensive rebound and dunking it. And everything else is the same. Yeah. It's just, it looks a little smoother. So I don't know. He's, I love him. He's really great. <laughs> so good. I hope they find a way to sign him to a like reasonable extension this year before he does start playing 30 minutes a game next year and posting double doubles every single night. And, you know, um, because I think that that's coming for him in his career, as long as he can stay healthy, which is a question, right? That's the big question with him. Right. Health above everything else, above all the, you know, sort of brain farts trying to throw outlet passes and all that stuff. The big question is really health. And if he stays healthy, he's gonna have a long career where he does some just outrageous things. Yeah. And it's, I mean, for a 20, is he still 23? Yeah. So it's, it's a situation, right? Where like the, the bet on him for the impending extension negotiation this off season is how much are you, you're essentially just weighing his health versus everything. Like, I think that's like the real, there's, clear on court downsides, but they're vastly outweighed by the, you know, a, his improvement defensively, which comes and goes like there, he's had a lot of, you know, there's still the stinker still exists out there where, you know, he's still biting on pump fakes, the three point line and, and just getting completely lost in the pick and roll at times. But those games are becoming fewer and far between. And he's offsetting it by blocking James Harden, three point shots and doing other things that, your Joe Schmo center is just not capable of. So you have to rolling with the, the good over the bad is becoming easier. And that's where the, like you said, when you, now you want to extend that sample size in the minutes and seeing like, okay, we know we can do this in 20 minutes. He doesn't look as gas now in these games. So what can he do in 25 to 30? Can he stay out of foul trouble? Can he put up 15, 12 and three a night? And what did the Celtics look like? What does the Celtics look like with him in the starting five? Because he, you know, having, having like, right. Like having him just to eat up everything on the offensive glass and maximizing spacing for everyone there. Like we, we've probably seen that lineup maybe like under 10 minutes in his whole career, at least in the last two years. Yeah. I mean, so one of the things I want to just throw in there is I agree that he does some things wrong and he makes mistakes, but so does every other player. Right. Right. Like there's no, who is this perfect player who isn't making these mistakes? Now, some of the things he makes are sort of visible and funny, but Christian Thompson getting an offensive rebound with two guys wide open at the three-point line and pump faking twice and throwing up a hook shot is a mistake. And just because he's a veteran who's been doing it for years and won a title on it, you know, it doesn't mean that that's not a mistake. And when Daniel Tice can't catch a lob because he's not as athletic, it's not a mistake but it's a limitation. And so Rob has limitations and he makes mistakes. So do Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson. And so does every other center and every other player in the league other than like LeBron, right? They all, everybody makes mistakes and why it is that young players make a mistake and that's the end of their night and veteran players make mistakes. And it's like, well, he must've had some brilliant reason for making that mistake or, well, we can overlook that is something that it doesn't, you know, doesn't quite make sense for me. Um, And so I always, sort of want to throw that out there that that everybody does make mistakes and not just young players um and then but yeah starting him 
I don't really have a problem with the number of minutes that he seems to be playing now. Right? Playing him in the 20 minutes-ish. He would have played over 20 minutes last night if it hadn't been a blowout, I think. That playing him reasonable minutes is fine, particularly with his injury history. The problem was when he was getting DMPs and when he would play 16 minutes one night and six minutes the next night. Consistently giving him backup center minutes is fine. And if you want to get him get there by starting, and I know Jared Weiss wrote something today that was like, and you wrote something on, on starting him as well, and, and you made sort of different points as to why to start him. And Jared's point was like, well, you want to up the level of competition, right? You want to have him playing against starters to see if he can play against starters. And you were talking about just like you did about, you want to be able to see what that does for your spacing and how that sort of builds a five-man lineup so you get there in the playoffs. So from that standpoint, I completely am fine with that. But in terms of like minutes, he's not going to play 32 minutes. No, Maybe he will in the playoffs, but like he's just, they're not going to play him those minutes, not just because of the glut of the of centers, but because they have questions about his health. Right. Um, but yeah, the team, like, there's a five-man unit there of Kemba Smart, Jalen Jason, and Rob Williams that I am absolutely certain would be a really positive, very good lineup to play that would make everybody, all five of those guys would complement each other and they would make each other's lives easier and they would be good on both ends, I think. Um, and they would cover up from different, you know, different limitations that each of them have. And we'll see it in the playoffs, I assume, but I don't think we're going to see it for, you know, 10 or 12 minutes a night quite yet, even if I would be totally fine if we did and think it would be a good idea well yeah like even even at the end of the first half like have rob play a stint get him a rest mm -hmm. and then when the starters when you those usual three or four minutes at the end of the half where you usually get the starting five like throw him in the mix there here and there see what that looks like i agree because yeah, you're not going to get him i don't think you know no matter what happens with tyson thompson one of those guys is going to stay and they're probably going to stay as the starter for the rest of the year because that the, the reliability they provide defensively is something Brad Stevens is going to be more comfortable with. Um, but that doesn't, shouldn't preclude you from, you know, tinkering with what Rob looks like with the starters. So, and like barring you just wanting to be a surprise in the playoffs for teams. So they can't really plan for it. I think the, the advantages of actually seeing what that group looks like, you know, here and there for, so they have a little bit of experience under their belt together should probably offset the potential pitfalls of it. Yeah. I think the words out on that, I think the league sort of knows that he's, that he's good. Um, maybe they didn't at last year when he played literally 300 minutes, or they just didn't think that he was actually going to play. Um, obviously there were bigger injury considerations for last year that, that thankfully haven't happened this year, although he hasn't. Right. I think this year it's been more, he had COVID versus having hip injury really sort of direct stuff. So I don't know how well you can hide him because the simple fact is when he's on the court, it's, he stands out. Right. And so how do you hide a guy who's having, you know, 18 minute double doubles with perfect shooting or a guy who's got five blocks or who blocks James Harden or, or anything. Now, I think one of the things that's, I, I talked about how, right. Like you can focus on these little things about video stuff about, Oh, look, he's doing this better. He's doing that better. I think one of the things that has been noticeable in that vein. And, and again, I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm, I was just sort of making the point that he was good last year too. It's not, these improvements have not been completely new um, is you did see a couple of matchups. The one that stood out to me was against Valanciunas he's you know skilled down there and he that's always been the guy who you worry about and it's again it's because it's Embiid is there right and you look at Embiid and say well he's five inches taller than Robert Williams and 100 pounds heavier and like will he be able to handle those matchups and you always sort of think of more of sort of defending in space and he has had a couple of matchups this year where he was playing against sort of more traditional post-up guys where he was completely fine and that I think is actually a, a big deal for the amount of minutes that he can play and how consistently you can get him on the floor. Cause at this point, I don't really know who the matchup is where you're like, we can't play him because Tristan Thompson or Daniel Tice is so much better of a matchup for those guys. 
if you had a, if you had somebody who was seven one or if you had Derek Favors or somebody like that who sort of specializes in that type of matchup, then that might be a little bit different. But with the guys they have, they they can play him every night, barring foul trouble or injury, twenty two minutes, twenty four minutes, whatever it might be, and they should because he's best. He's the best of the three, so <laughs> play him. Um, and we just keep saying that, right? I don't know how many minutes we've been recording here, but we just sort of keep coming back around to that, being like, yeah, he's really good and he should play. It's, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know who else should, should, what I want to see more of? Carson Edwards. Yeah, <laughs> a lot more Carson. Uh, I got to look this up right now. The, the Tice Time Lord minutes have been very, have been very interesting. Yeah, they've been better than the Thompson Tice minutes, but that's like not saying a whole lot. Uh, and you can obviously tell why. It's because Tice's spacing creates um at least a little bit like i was saying rob creates space and tice creates a little bit of space and thompson doesn't create any space and so i think when you put them together you get you can like eke out enough space for things to work um and so that does seem to be a lineup that has worked better to this point i also think that it helps that rob can pass the ball a little bit again even if his, his passing numbers don't look great we know that he does have the ability to to pass the ball a little bit more and so both of them have like a little bit of passing that that helps uh, I think uh, make functional lineups. Is it terrible? Are you looking it up right now? And it's I'm looking it up. No, no, no. I'm looking it up. I know. I know it's very good. I'm just trying to get to. I think it might be like the best. Is it the best overall over, over best on the whole player. team under? Let me look at this. Other than Peyton Pritchard and Jeff Teague. Right. No. No. So here we go. This is the best lineup. Guess they've only played 66 minutes together. 12 games. Like five times as much as the. Guys, who we think are their best five have played right. together. Um, and plus 28 net rating. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, 120 yeah. offensive rating, 92 defensive rating. So that's that's when you're the, the defensive presence has not been there. And I only want to look up what the Tice um, Thompson. That side is mostly that the offense has been just brutally bad, right? I think, no, I think the defense early. Been. Maybe it's come back up. No, was, so both were bad. Both, both were, were certainly bad. So the offense is fine now with that group. So the, it, the okay, offense, so it's a plus, it's a 0.5 plus negative uh, net rating. So it's actually a positive line now, Thompson Tyson, 375 minutes. Their defense allowing 113 points per game oh. per 100 possessions, excuse me. So. And then the offense is the same though, 113, which is pretty much an above well above average offense in today's NBA. So it's, they just, well, yeah, we saw in the starting five last night, that group just, I mean, they can't stop anyone really, it seems like. And so even whether they're playing teams that go big or teams that go small, it's just, they're, they're winning games. by good line. Offense. It's just not a good lineup. And it just everybody hasn't... knows it's not a good lineup. Right. Brad Stevens knows it's not a good lineup. He's known it's not a good lineup for a while, but he is it going to go away? Whatever. For is it going to go it. away? Well, I mean, he said that it's going to go away pretty much. I mean, he said that, but it's not going to go away because of, because of Rob, it's going to go away because it's smart. I mean, Rob, part of it, because if, if he had been playing really poorly, then it would go away in a different shape, but mostly it's because smarts coming back and, and Langford's going to come back and they're going to need to find minutes for him. And hopefully they make a trade that, that adds another player uh, without taking somebody out of like the core part of the rotation. And that, that will further change the shape of the team. So you think it has to go away, but who knows? <laughs> you never i mean brad never ceases to surprise with his decisions about who he you know who he wants to play and um he's been i think over the years been pretty consistent about the lineup like the the type of lineup he wants to play that he doesn't want to play two bigs and things like that um, but he's added that little wrinkle to his history of surprises in some big situations 
which usually have worked. I mean, right. You have to say that it's not that they've not that he always gets it wrong. It's, oftentimes they work. Like I said, we started with Ennis. I said earlier about Ennis Cantor, right? Like I didn't want to see Ennis Cantor, but like, you can't deny that last year Ennis Cantor was totally fine. Brad played him a lot and like didn't kill the team. Um, we make some surprising decisions. We'll see. I don't know. I'm rambling again. <laughs> no, I'm podcasting. <laughs> this is what we do. This is a podcast. It's made for rambling. All right. That will put a bow in this one. Um, we'll be back with you guys plenty um, here at the Wing Place Pod in the next couple of weeks as the rumors start swirling more and more as traded line heats up. Uh, as the Celtics potentially make their first addition since the 2014-15 season, in season, I should say. Um, but for now, Rob Williams, 20 minutes per night, count on it going forward and keep an eye on what happens with Thompson and Tice in the coming days um, as we see some, I don't know, I think, what's your prediction right now on a trade? What's your, what are you putting, what are the odds at for you? On any trade? For a Celtics trade, yeah, uh, any trade. I still think they have to do something. <laughs> um, so, I, I don't know, 75% they'll do 75%. something? Yeah. 75% they'll do something bigger than, like, exiling Jeff Teague. Or yeah, right. <laughs> like, okay. They'll do something oh, above that. Okay. Know. All right. I, I think they have to still. I know they're saying that they're not going to, but, like, I don't know. It just seems... Are they really going to run this team through this gauntlet of through the end of the season? And then just like, I don't know, that seems like a bad idea. <laughs> well, with five games and seven nights, they'll have a good look at to see if that's a good idea or not. They have um, five games every seven nights for the rest of the season. Like people are maybe true. like, Oh, I know that's true. Coming up in 12 <laughs> games. And it's like, yeah, like every 12 game stretch from here to the end has eight games in it until like the last week of the season. when I think they have a break. It's, it's a ridiculous schedule and they're not the only team, obviously the like entire league has a ridiculous schedule. Um, but that's part of the reason that, that you can justify having three centers as we've talked about. Uh, but you could also really use another wing of some kind uh, who you trust to, to play some of those minutes. Jalen can't play 40 minutes every single You're game. Right. I think asking exactly asking those guys, especially when every single game, the Celtics play this year seems to be close barring a, a random blowout against Houston or, but like, I, I think they probably, I like to like to have more more clutch minutes than clutch, else exactly, play, right? which is right, which is not surprising when you look at the roster, but also something that you know if you want to have anything left in the tank in the playoffs for your your top guys, you probably want to at least a either give them some reinforcements or b get a better team just so you don't have to be in that situation and uh, against the the parity of both conferences right now below those top five or six contenders. Um, all right, so. That'll do it here. Follow Ryan, as always, at Danger Card on Twitter. Uh, you can catch us at Winning Plays Pod for any feedback, suggestions, etc. And you gotta, you gotta you gotta shout out your relatively new gig at this point, too. Don't just course, follow me. Read, you gotta follow Brian no, follow, and MassLive.com. You, right? you can you can read me at MassLive.com. Thank you, Ryan, <laughs> for looking out for me. Um, yes, but yeah, so hit us up. Um, plenty of coverage coming on MassLive throughout the next couple weeks and beyond. And we will talk to you guys later this week.